Okay, so just by a sense of review, the book of Colossians was written by Paul to the church in Colossae. And again, it's, it's kind of in this, this area around some larger cities, um, Laodicea, Philadelphia, um, and it was written primarily to counteract the heresies that uh, were, going, uh, were coming out of Gnosticism. Gnosticism, as you remember back, Gnosticism was all about knowledge and the spiritual, and the physical was um, not worth worrying about. You could do whatever you wanted to physically. It was just your spirit. So Paul was writing to counteract that. Um, And as we've been studying for the last 11 weeks, uh, we have different Bible study tools we've been putting into our toolbox. (coughs) Different uh, methods of of, uh, learning about what is uh, the meaning of, of the scriptures that we're going through. We want to avoid in common uh, interpretive errors, and we are going to talk about other Bible study techniques. This morning, <coughs> we are in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. So a couple of weeks ago, we, we kind of reversed a few passages, and uh, so this uh, talk this morning is, comes directly after the one that Brian Finstrom gave, I think, two weeks ago, and last Sunday I was gone, so... Um, Hopefully, you guys will be able to follow along. Uh, This morning, we're going to do a topical Bible study. We're going to study a couple of different things. We're going to introduce a new resource for for, uh, Scripture uh, exegesis, and that is the treasury of Scripture knowledge. And we're going to do some word searches. (coughs) So let's start off by reading our passage. Colossians 3, 12 through 17 says... Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So... This is a huge chunk of scripture, and there is so much in, in this, it was really rather difficult for me to, to determine you know, what it is that I needed to, to be talking about this morning. We have everything from Christian attitudes, talking about compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, etc., to the ethos of a Christian life, and what is it that we believe, what are the... Uh, the core foundational things from which everything flows, being chosen, holy, beloved, to Christian living, um, having a peaceful and thankful life, um, having godly character. So, um, as I was getting ready for this talk, I was, I was at praying and asking God, I said, so, Lord, you know, what would you like for me to teach? Uh-oh. 
And that was about the answer I got. So, I, Lord, what would you have me teach from this? And it really came out that he very clearly told me that I was asking the wrong question. The, wrong, the, the question is not, what would he have me teach? The real question was, what would he have me learn? I was like, hmm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Can I go back to the other question? Um, what do you want me to teach? So it really came back to what would he have me learn out of this passage? And it's very hard to get right answers when we ask wrong questions, right? Um, for those guys who have ever been not lost, but not exactly know where you're going when you're driving, um, it's hard to get right answers if we're not willing to ask the right questions. So here are some questions. And a couple weeks ago, Brian gave us several different um, handholds of, of ways to, inter to study the Scripture. But when you read a passage of Scripture, some great questions to ask is, what does this passage teach us about God? What are the promises, warnings, or principles that are taught in this passage? Um, what does God do, or what did God do, or what are his responsibilities? Because God, according to his word, you know, if he makes a promise, that is a responsibility for him to fulfill. What are our responsibilities, or what am I supposed to do? So I started looking at these questions, and I've got to keep up here. And um, before I go into what some of the answers were, I want to talk about this study that we're, or this tool that we're going to learn about today. Um, really excited about this particular tool. It's called the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. How many of you have heard of the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge, the TSK? Anybody heard of the TSK? So this is a quote from um, Brandon Staggs, and uh, he is the creator of this website called Sword Searcher, which is really impressive. Um, but the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge is a time-tested Bible help that avoids exposition and interpretation in favor of straightforward comparison of Scripture with Scripture. The TSK can be thought of as the most exhaustive collection of margin cross-references available. But it goes well beyond merely listing additional verses to read. It helps you define words and phrases from within a Bible verse using the Bible itself. In my opinion, if one were required to choose only a single written work in addition to the Bible for studying, the TSK would be the best option. So the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge, and I'll just refer to it as TSK, has been around for quite a while, and it was put together by some scholars, and um, they are using the King James Version, so all the, all the references out of the TSK are in the King James Version. So here's just an example, and uh, then we're going to actually carve up into some groups and we're going to practice it, but... So reading verse 12, and some of the, some of the principles that we've learned uh, from a couple weeks ago are if we read the same passage in different versions, things can pop out at us. So I, I chose the New Living Translation for verse 12 here. And it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So that, that part up there where it says God chose you, out of the, uh, the ESV version, which we were reading earlier, um, 
our initial text, I think it was as the as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So it's slightly different wording. But if I follow this link here, and this link takes me to uh, the Blue Letter Bible. Whoa, okay. Anybody not able to see that? Is there a doctor in the house? Okay, so um, this is Blue Letter Bible, which we talked about. How many of you have used Blue Letter Bible since a few weeks ago when we talked about it? Okay. So if you haven't, that's okay. It's nothing to be ashamed about. But this is really a great resource. So if I go to Blue Letter Bible and I went to Colossians 3.12, you can see up here I'm in the New Living Translation. And this is the verse that I'm interested in. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Over here is this tools um, link. And if I click on that, I can come over here to this thing that says cross-references. Notice that cross-references, it says the treasury of Scripture knowledge right there. This is the treasury of Scripture knowledge. And you'll see that I have Colossians 3.12 listed twice. One in the King James Version because the treasury of Scripture knowledge is based upon the King James Version. That's just the words that they took from. And then underneath of it, you can see the New Living Translation. So one of the things that's really interesting about the treasury of Scripture knowledge is that it's not particularly interested in taking a particular Greek word and finding all the instances of that Greek word or a Hebrew word and finding all the references of that. It's more interested in a concept or an idea. So down here where it says the phrase of put and then as, that put, it's, um, it's not really talking right here in the red. It's not talking about the Greek word put. It's talking about the phrase put on. And then where it says as, it's talking about as the elect of God. So down here where we have these references, it's, these are references to like concepts. So this morning, we are going to be doing, just as a, a whole group, we're going to do a quick um, delve into the treasury of scripture knowledge using the phrase, as the chosen ones. Okay, and our, um, you can see that there are a whole bunch of verses there and I have only pulled out these five because I didn't want to spend all morning going through that. But So if we were to look at these particular verses, I'm going to read Romans 8, 29, and 30. We're just going to kind of do this as a group. Romans 8, 29, and 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined... He also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. And then Romans 9, 11, and 12. Though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. Um, Romans 11, 5 through 7. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. 
The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. And on and on, and there's several more verses there, and as you can see from over here on the TSK, uh, there's several other verses there under as. Again, the concept here is that we're not talking about a particular Greek word. The treasury of Scripture knowledge is really looking at how do I get a concept out of Scripture, and what are the Scripture passages that back that up? What Scriptures are parallel Scriptures? Um, I have a, I don't, I use a, a newer version of the TSK than what's available on Blue Letter Bible, and it tells me what are the parallel passages. It'll tell me um, if there are particular heresies around a passage, what are the references that refute those heresies? Um, so it's a, it's a really good resource for delving in and to really studying um, and trying to make sense out of what a particular passage is talking about. So, as a group, or in, as individual groups this morning, we're going to talk, talk about putting on. So, what are we putting on? And we're doing it two different ways. We're doing the treasury of scripture knowledge, which I've listed the passages up there so you don't have to go and finagle with your trying to figure out all that stuff. But there's the passages, Exodus, Psalms, Ephesians, and Colossians. And then also that a concordance search. Everybody familiar with how a concordance works? You can flip open and you can look. When you use a concordance search, you're usually actually looking for the word put on. So these, uh, the the list things on the left, treasury of scripture knowledge, those are looking at concepts. Um, and on the right, the word search, those are looking for putting on. So let's divide up into groups, and we're going to go through these, and I'll put these references back up there. I think these questions are in your handout, but let's divide up into groups, go through those eight scripture passages, answer these questions, and we'll have about... 13 to 15 minutes on this. Did you, get it, did you get through it all? I'm sorry if you didn't get through it. Moving on. Okay, so some of these questions. Um, what do these passages say about what is being putting, put on or the nature or purpose of what is being put on? Did you see anything that was different? Um, and I'm not really, I just this is just kind of rhetorical questions, but using the treasury of scripture knowledge versus using a word search, there are some nuances that become a little different when you're using the treasury of scripture knowledge. You start to see concepts through the scriptures as opposed to just the same words repeated in different passages of scripture where you would see with a word search. One of the ones um, out of Colossians 3.10, and I'm going to read this out of the, the New Living Translation. I love this, the way it, the way it spells it out. It says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. That was just really, I mean, that's just rich uh, with meaning. Um, and then down in Romans 13, 12, again out of the New Living Translation, says, the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Just such visual language, um, your filthy garment. If we were to actually look at the word put on, if we were to, to 
to dig out what the Greek meaning of that is, it has this, this connotation of, of putting on a garment that is incredibly comfortable and just sinking into it. Um, how many of you have a pair of slippers that you put on when you get home or whatever, and they're just like, oh, yeah. So I have concrete floors, so I, I value my slippers because um, it's, especially in the winter, it's quite cold and my slippers are quite comfortable. So when I put those on, it's like a holiday for my feet. Um, down there, the next question, um, what does Colossians 3.12 tell us about how God views us? If we looked at that, it says he, he views us, we are his chosen ones. It's not that he has accepted us, which I think is, it's, it's easy for me to, to read through some of those passages and think, oh, God accepts me. But that's not what it says at all. It's that God has chosen me, which is very different than he has accepted me. He has chosen me and calls me holy and calls me loved. So it's very easy for us, at least for me, to get caught up in this catchphrase, you know, I'm a sinner saved, uh, saved by grace. And while that is true, Really, that puts my focus on me being a sinner, and really, I am a saint. And if I live with that mindset, it, it can change the way that I interact with, with my own thoughts and with others. I, I have this um, stamp, not of approval, but of selectedness from God. I am chosen, I am holy, I am loved. Um, that is who we are positionally before God is we are chosen, we are selected by him. And then the rest of that, uh, the next question, how does God's view of us relate to our ability to put these on, these character qualities on? Um, those character qualities are how Christ is revealed through us. So we have our positional relationship to God and then how he is revealed through us. All right. Read this one more time. This is out of the ESV then again. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So there is a lot, again, bundled up in this. Some of the garments of a Christian are bowels of compassion, as I think that's one, the King James Version reads it that way, instead of compassionate heart, bowels of compassion down in your gut, kindness, humility, meekness, etc. Each one of these we could do an in-depth study on and probably be really good for us to do an in-depth study on and take to heart what this is talking about. But for us this morning, we're just going to dwell on one. We're going to dwell on forgiveness. Um, going back to when I asked God, you know, what, what would you have me teach? And he said, what would I have you learn? So, okay, 
where you are. Forgiveness. Um, again, remember, contextually, this was written by Paul to Christians. He was writing in this particular passage about our relationship with other Christians. So these verses here are out of the treasury of Scripture knowledge. And I want us to do, again in our groups, a study on forgiveness. What does Scripture have to say about forgiveness? And as I went through this, um, you know, I knew it was important, but it really kind of transformed my thoughts about forgiveness and what that means, what that should mean to me. So we'll take another uh, 10 minutes, 12 minutes maybe, to do this study on forgiveness. Did everybody get completely through everything there? All questions answered? So I visited a couple of groups and they were having some, some discussion about how does this work, you know, with, with the forgiveness, uh, these Matthew verses, Matthew, you know, 6.14, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Um, you know, jumping down, the end of uh, Matthew 18, 21 through 35, the end of that verse says, so will my heavenly Father likewise to you, do to you if you do not forgive uh, others who trespass against you. Um, you know, I, I knew forgiveness was important, but... I don't think I understood the magnitude of it, and I don't want to get up here and I don't want to talk about how is this in relate to um, the doctrine of salvation. Um, I think the key concept here is forgiveness, we could all agree, is incredibly important, incredibly important. Um, God views it as, you know, a, a premium um, Let's see what other questions did we have there. If we have time, we'll come back and get any answers from this. But then, going through this one more time, as we, as we look at the big blocks, the big rocks that are in this particular passage, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. I would call that, that is uh, having a proper orthodoxy. And that is a, a big block. It's how we choose to think about the way God sees us. And again, out of the New Living Translation, it says, since then, God has chosen you to be his people, holy and beloved. So this, this word, since, since God has done this, you ought to do that, is, is the construct of the sentence. And it starts off with, since God has chosen you, to be holy and beloved, you should do the following. Actually, it's not you should do. It says you must do. Put on, then, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Each one of those, compassionate hearts, these are important things. Kindness, humility, patience. These are um, things that I would call Godly character. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, 
And not just forgiving each other, but what does it say? As the Lord has forgiven you. Again, goes back to this big block of doctrine of, of right thinking. If we have right thinking as to what God has saved us out of, if, if we understood how egregious our sin is in his eyes and that he has forgiven us, <coughs> it shouldn't be a big leap to say, oh, I can forgive other people their violations of, of my rights because, wow, I have totally transgressed God's sovereignty and chosen to go my own way and he has forgiven me. But it's very hard to get to that point in forgiving others if we don't understand our own um, attitudes toward God. So forgiveness. I'll use a big block for forgiveness. Um, only because I did enough word study on it to know that it's really important. I'm sure if I looked at all the other ones, they'd all be big blocks. Um, and then so after we learned about how important forgiveness is, Christ-like forgiveness, he then goes on and says, put on, and above all these, so yeah, I told you that um, uh, forgiveness is important, and we just learned how important it is. And then he says, and even more than that, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect unity. So, wow. Okay, so if forgiveness was important, then love must be really important. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Again, hearkening back to that unity, peacefulness. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell, uh, if you were to do a, a root word analysis on that, the, the word dwell means a tabernacle or a house. So the concept is really, let the word of Christ make its dwelling inside of you. Let it be part of who you are. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness to your heart, in your heart to God. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as an abundant life with wisdom. And then being an imitator of Christ. And whatever you do in word or deed, and I need to be getting my blocks out for these because being an imitator of Christ, that's got to be important. Um, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So in the name of the Lord Jesus, <coughs> um, I heard a rabbi once, he was a messianic rabbi, and uh, he was explaining that if you look at the Ten Commandments and it says, um, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. He, was, uh, he did some analysis on that word, and his takeaway is that it's not just using God's name flippantly. It's the way, and the, it's the same, not the same root word because that's Hebrew and this is Greek, but it's the same concept that uh, in the name of the Lord is really this idea of carrying something, like a bucket of water or like a baby. Uh, you're carrying or transporting something. So his point was 
uh, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. It means don't carry the name of God um, flippantly. Don't carry it without caution. Everything that we do, and that's what this verse is hearkening back to, whatever we do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, carrying His name. So we have this idea here of all of these different things that are incredibly important. And it starts with our proper orthodoxy, thinking correctly. Orthodoxy is just a big word that means right thinking. And then everything else that's underneath of that falls onto uh, what they call orthopraxy, right living, right practice. So each one of these things is to be built up on the next. And if you can imagine, if we have wrong thinking, and I'm not sure how well I'm going to be able to get that, but if we have wrong thinking, how hard is it to forgive someone who has violated your, your rights? How hard is it to forgive someone if you're not willing, if you don't understand what you've been forgiven from? How hard is it to live at peace when you're stirred up emotionally and you're, you're upset at someone or you're upset about a situation, whether it's politics or somebody in your family or whatever it may be? How hard is that? It's, it's impossible, right? You can't live at peace when, you're, when you have other things at war within yourself. How about being wise and acting wisely? Anybody made a bad choice when they were angry? Anybody ever guilty of that? Right? So anger does not, is not a great motivator for right decisions. Um, and again, it's all predicated on right thinking. So we have this kind of a concept where proper orthodoxy, again, which is just right thinking, is incredibly important. And a couple weeks ago when Brian taught and he, he used the analogy of the hand and we had you hear the word of God, you read the word of God, you study it, you memorize it, and you meditate on it. And it's that meditation component that becomes, uh, gets the word of God down into your spirit and down into your, into your innermost being where it can transform your thoughts. So if, if any of us are struggling with a particular habit struggling with a particular thought, struggling with um, attitudes, to come against that and just and say, I'm not going to do that anymore, I'm not going to think that way, I'm not going to behave that way, it's not going to be successful in the long run because all of that stuff comes out of our thoughts. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he does. And what we really need to do is we need to get proper orthodoxy, which is really just a way of saying, find a scripture verse or a passage of scripture or think about the things that you are, have been, um, have read and have memorized and, and meditate on the things that will transform the way that you think. Because if you think rightly, you'll act rightly. The main concept in the book of Colossians is uh, found in uh, verse 7 out of chapter 2. And so walk in him, Christ, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, teaching as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 
So I, I took a couple of these words, rooted and built up, and again I went to the, the treasury of Scripture knowledge, because that's what this whole lesson was kind of predicated on. And I looked at the treasury of Scripture knowledge, and it took me to Ephesians 2.20. And Ephesians 2.20 says, Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So I had this idea of, in my head, of this rooted and built up, and we are being built up. All these things that we're talking about, these um, different character qualities that are the Christian's garments, they are um, building blocks. They're building blocks of our lives, but what's the purpose of our lives? Our purpose of our life is to be a temple for the, whole, for the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly when I started doing the treasury of Scripture knowledge, looking at this particular verse out of Colossians, rooted and built up. The word rooted and built up both took me to the same concept here in Ephesians 2. Um, being joined together into a holy temple, so it's not that we're just building our lives, we're building a temple. And so I have one more thing here at the very end. Dear friend, you are the people of God. He loved you and chose you for his own. So then, you must clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with one another and forgive one another whenever any of you has a complaint against someone else. You must forgive one another just as the Lord has forgiven you. And to all these qualities, add love, which binds all things together in perfect unity. The peace that Christ gives is to guide you in the decisions you make. For it is to this peace that God has called you together in one body and be thankful. Christ's message in all its richness must live in your hearts. Teach and instruct one another with all wisdom. Sing psalms, hymns, and sacred songs. Sing to God with thanksgiving in your hearts. Everything you do or say, then, should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, as you give thanks through him to God the Father, your servant, Paul. All right, so we don't really have time. For anything else, any any comments this morning? Sorry. Uh, let's just close in prayer. Go with that. Lord, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be part of your your family, to live in unity, and to live in one accord with one another. Lord, I pray that we would take it to heart, that we would understand, Lord, just how much our debt is to you. That we would not, um, we would not focus on our rights, Lord, but that we would understand and that we would um, 
take to heart all that you have done for us. Lord, help us to live with wisdom, help us to live with love, and to have uh, Christ-like attitudes in all that we do and say. May we give you the glory that you are due in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Get your kids from the nursery if you have them. <laughs>